Welcome to this week's episode of London Heal. I am your host, Tatiana Kasesanov. This week, we're going to go a little bit in a different direction. We talk a lot on London Heal about mind, body and soul and spirit and how health of all of those things is really essential. But what about if that health isn't yours, but the one of a loved one? What happens when a loved one falls into a state where they just can't manage by themselves and you become the carer? What impact does that have on your life? I'm absolutely delighted and very honored to have as my guest this week, Sarah Chalice. Sarah has the most amazing story, a life, a struggle, and a challenge that she has overcome with absolute bravoura and has a wonderful story to tell to inspire those of you who maybe also sadly may find yourself in a caring role. So first of all, Sarah, welcome. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with me today. Thank you, Tatiana, and thank you for that lovely introduction. It's um, absolutely all true. Um, Sarah and I met each other a while ago and have become very close friends, and I very much want to support her project because one of the things I love about Sarah's story, and I find personally extraordinarily moving, and we'll talk about her story, is that she's gone from a place of love to despair and back to love again. And I think that's a wonderful story about the circle of life and the circle of everything that we go through. So let's start at the beginning of that circle, Sarah. And why don't you just start and tell us a little about your story? So you're, were, yes. you were a carer for your husband, Neil. Yeah, well, I, I first met Neil when I came to London about 20 years ago. I remember thinking, you know, this is where my life you know, is going to begin. You know, I had a job, um, high-flying graphic designer at the top of the NatWest Tower with great views over city of London, and it was all exciting. And within three days, I met my husband, unbeknown to me. I met Neil, and he was the print supplier. So I got to know him really well as a good friend before he asked me out, which was lovely. Um, and then we started to date not long after that. Um, he was cheeky. He was good fun. Um, he hadn't been to the doctors in 14 years. So it was a, a shock to us all about six weeks um, in that Neil actually was diagnosed with a brain tumour after having headaches and pins and needles down his arms. And um, at that time, I just said, get, get well, Neil, you know, I'm here for you. Don't worry about it. He said, you don't need to stay with me. But I said, don't worry, you know, not really knowing, as most of us, of course, knowing what we're really letting ourselves in for. Um, and I, you know, I stuck with Neil. I was at the hospital with him. And I, at that time, as a carer, I was more at his emotional crutch, driving him back and forth from the hospital, you know, keeping my eye on him from chemo. And uh, within six months, he was given the all clear. And we thought we could get on with the rest of our lives and look forward to our future. But sadly, about uh, a year later, after he proposed to me, actually, um, he he fell on well again. And um, we brought the wedding forward um, because we didn't know how long he had. Uh, brain tumors are notorious, as you, as you can imagine, 18 months, if you're lucky, for, for many people. So we were making the most of what we had together. You know, that time was very special because we knew it was limited. Um, but unbeknown to us, you know, Neil and I believe my love and I don't know, he had five years of chemo, which was, uh, you know, 
quite full on and I was there with him every week uh, at the hospital and back and forth. But the caring side for me became so heavy and so involved, more so uh, after Neil had a stroke later on, um, probably about nine years in of, of all this illness. Um, and he ended up in a hospital bed in our living room, unable to speak or do anything for himself, incontinent, of course, pressure sores. And with a feeding tube, it was uh, just to give you a, a grim kind of picture of how care, because caring is different for everybody out there. Everybody's unique and the situation they are in. And um, during that time, you know, I was giving Neil a lot of love and compassion and I was doing my best and utmost to keep him alive. Um, but the thing that where I went wrong, uh, as I think the majority of us carers do, when you're so absorbed in caring for a loved one, you just don't give yourself any love You're because you don't know how long they may have. They are the one who is poorly. So you put all of your love into them and you forget to give yourself any. And that's where I went wrong. And I ended up emotionally and physically unwell. Um, it's usually, I, I mean, I was horrible to myself. You know, I, I wasn't even last on the list. I wasn't even on the list. And I was people pleasing for others. I was there for everybody else, but I was not there for myself. And that, that is the same for many carers out there. And in the end, I fell physically unwell. And it, when you have these negative thoughts and you're unpleasant to yourself, to any of us with a tough life challenge, not just caring, it, it can start to um, suppress your immune system. And I ended up with a really nasty chest infection, which wasn't leaving, and MRSA in both my ears because I, I, I got that from Neil coming back from hospital one time. And um, I was a mess. I was a wreck. He ended up in emergency respite and I ended up on a silent retreat and yes I did manage to shut up for five days <laughs> just, <laughs> and, to, um, just to put this in perspective though I mean, you cared for Neil for 13 years that's, yeah. that's a really really long time at what yeah. point through that process was it where where your body started to tell you hey look after me Oh, well, you just, uh, it's subtle changes. You know, you feel low. I kind of felt depressed. I know if I'd have gone to the doctors, they'd have given me, you'd have given me antidepressants and I didn't want that. Actually, I remember feeling like every day I woke up and I felt like it was a funeral, that really awful low feeling after Neil had had a mild stroke before the big one. And um, I ended up going on a carer's assessment and I didn't really, because when you're going, if you go into these subtle changes as you become lower and lower, you don't really notice it impacting your mind and your body. It kind of sneaks up on you. But when I went for a carer's assessment, there was this young, kind of good-looking Aussie 26-year-old dude in front of me. And he said, so what do you want? I said, well, what have you possibly got that's going to help me? You know, I, I, I was a wreck and ruin. He said, well, just tell me, you know, tell me about what's going on. And as I did, I just bawled my eyes out for a solid hour and I, it was peppered with manic laughter because I found it hilarious as well because I'm, I'm doing this in front of a complete stranger and he looked quite shocked um, but when I came out of there I realized how much I'd been suppressing my emotions and holding everything in uh, and I realized I needed to make changes I was going downhill. 
Yeah, because, you know, that's so often the, the role of, of, of women, too. I mean, of course, there are men who care for loved ones, but, but the responsibility almost always falls on women. And um, I think we yes. have a tendency to put ourselves last, <coughs> excuse me, and put ourselves at the bottom of the list. Um, I remember in the past... Christmas, when my, my dear mother was in hospital and sadly passed away, that the entire hospital was littered with elderly parents and daughters sitting next to the bed. You know, the sons were there, but they kind of came and went. The daughters were the ones that, that sat there. And and I remember at the time actually thinking, as I, a daughter myself, was sitting there, um, I remember thinking of you very much at that time and thinking, how could you do this all day, every day, mm-hmm. for years and end, and mm-hmm. and not and not um, shrivel up? Um, how how did you feed your soul during yes. that time? What, actually, what did you take that actually gave you something to hold on to? You know, I saw it as a life challenge. Um, I think that's the thing. I didn't see myself as a victim. I think many of us can, you know, feel a victim. Well, why me? Why is this happening? Um, but I, I also looked at, you know, we have to make the most of life. And, and Neil wasn't Neil wasn't able to get up and get out, you know, get out of the front door like I could. And I went running. You know, that was my that's my regular thing over the last twenty years. I go kind of every other day. I kept myself fit and well, but I saw, I saw this as a learning curve. I saw myself evolving over the years. I remember at the beginnings, particularly when Neil first became incontinent, because that that happened overnight. He just wet the bed one morning and, (laughs) and, and also ended up with an angry wife because I just was so shocked. And, uh, and it was a thousand pound mattress. (laughs) I just, I wasn't very happy about it. And, And neither was he, of course. But through the years of all of that, I, it changed, it's changed me. And uh, I remember even on Neil's last day, he was having a stroke. He ended up weeing down my jeans and um, I just laughed. I said, oh, Neil, you know, and gave him a hug. I didn't, I was completely different. And yes, all of us will deal with a life challenge. If, if it's not caring, it will be something else. I can, you know, because that's, that's where we begin to grow. That's where we evolve. And it's how we deal with those life challenges. Um, so that I remember seeing it as that. And also about, it was about love. And, and I love this. Um, I heard a neurosurgeon speak and I love telling this story. He at the Houses of Parliament when I was there with the Brain Tumor Charity and Neil was in his wheelchair. And he was often asked what was the best criteria for surviving a brain tumor. And his answer surprised us all. He said it was marital status. And I don't think you need to actually be married, but I think if you have somebody loving you and being there for you and fighting your corner, I think that's very powerful, but not just that. Um, You have a reason to live at the love of another. And Neil and I had immense love for each other. And I felt that deepen. Um, when we knew that we had limited time, it really, that love really deepened because, you know, if you're married to somebody and they're fine, we, you know, we all take each other for granted. You know, we know, we know what we're like or we kind of grumble about each other. Um, but when you suddenly realize actually we, we have only so much time together, 
it does change your outlook and, and, and how you react and deal with things. And my love for Neil has always been immense. And that has been very powerful. That has kept, it kept Neil alive for a lot longer than he would have been here because, and I know that because when I put him into the hospice to give me a break once in a, in a while, um, which was desperately needed, he would go downhill rapidly. But when he would come home again, literally after a day or two, he, he clearly had, had got better. He, he was better in himself and he picked up again. So I, I kind of jokingly say I dragged it out as well because, I, because my love and hugging him and kissing him every day and, and making sure he and tending to him. I knew also... I knew what he wanted and what he needed because, uh, you know, he was unable to speak in those last four years, but I knew the man. I knew what he was like. And so I, I knew what he'd need or what he'd want. So I would, you know, take him into Bushy Park. I'd give him a bit of, um, <laughs> with a bit of chocolate brownie, just the simple things in life. But hugging him, I, you know, I could feel his whole body, just a hug is so good for you. Many of us don't even hug, do we, Tatiana? We, no. we, no, we don't contact with each other. Um, you know, when I'd hug Neil, I'd feel his whole body suddenly relax into my arms. And it's a very powerful thing and it releases a whole load of chemicals which are so good for you. So it's something that you both benefit from because I, th- I think that's a really valid point. I think perhaps, especially when when the loved one is is bedridden and perhaps not so responsive, you forget that the physical contact can actually speak so much louder than words. And sometimes yeah. a simple hug is really healing for both of you. Absolutely. It does a whole load of things for you. And um, it was very interesting. You know, I used to wedge myself in sideways into his hospital bed because Neil was a big guy, six foot four and about 17 stone. He was like the size and stature of a rugby player. Um, so I used to squeeze myself in and give him a hug sometimes of an evening in, in his bed. And I would feel this immense, um, I'd feel this energy around cocoonus and I'd never experienced anything quite like it and I, I used you know it was amazing and Neil, Neil would be out of it he'd, he'd end up snoring he'd go into a very deep slumber when I when I'd hug him and it was quite amazing and uh, the sad thing about that actually was I would say in the last few months of Neil being here when I go to give him that hug it was gone and I should have picked up the sign that he may be leaving but I didn't. Um, and um, it was still a shock, Tatiana, when I, you know, on that last day, I took Neil to the rugby, went with my mum and dad, and it was a lovely day. But as soon as I got him home, he had this huge stroke and he, he, he was going that night. And I do remember saying thank you for releasing him um, because I didn't want him suffering anymore and I didn't want him living living like that anymore. I mean, it'd been a long, long time anyway. And um, he was released on the, actually it's the 7th of September today, 2018, but it was, it was exactly three years ago, yesterday, uh, the 6th of September, 2015, that Neil left. Um, But I, you know, through this huge life experience, it has changed me and it sent me on a a journey, uh, a spiritual journey as well, but it certainly changed the person that I am too. And 
you know, I've improved and I, I certainly have a damn sight more patience <laughs> than I did at the beginning. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> so you've very wisely and, in my opinion, very neededly, um, if that's a word, um, ha- have written a book about your story. And, you know, one would expect a book like that to be filled with, you know, tips and tricks. And yes, there's some hardship, but this is a way to get through it. But but you go much deeper than that. And, and that's one of the things I really appreciate about you deciding to share your story, because I think you talk about how it really is and you don't sugarcoat it. So what does a person do who's a carer who actually wakes up some days and hates the person in that bed for what? you know, for what they have to do to look after them. How do you deal with that, you know, when love momentarily, fleetingly changes into deep resentment? How, how do you get yourself back on track? It's very difficult. And everybody, you know, any carers, anybody caring out there, you know, you're, everybody's um, situation is unique. And the person that they care for, uh, you know, Neil was very loving and I was very lucky. He was very good. But there were there was one time he did say, I hate you to me while I was feeding him in his hospital bed. And I do remember thinking, oh, my God, have you got any idea what I do for you, Neil? Because I gave up my job to look after him full time for years. And it, it wrecked my body at times. And, you know, you do get the resentment, the anger, the frustration. I, I'd... Um, I did like a drink and it sometimes got the better of me. And um, we have distractions. We're quite good at that, aren't we? Um, what we do, but it is for anybody going through this, it is give yourself love and compassion. You have to. You've got to, you've got to be your own best friend. Give yourself time out. Stop people pleasing. And you know what? Do something for yourself every day, even if it's for five minutes, ten minutes, half an hour, take yourself out of the situation if you can, do something for you, Every and everybody should do this, you know, do something that puts a smile on your face, it may be have a bubble bath, it may be watching a comedy um, on TV, you know, seeing a good friend for a cuppa, or even a chat on the phone, but be there for you every single day, because if you're caring for somebody, you're actually caring for two people, not just that loved one, but for yourself, you have to care for you because otherwise the cracks will show. I, you know, unfortunately, it's just one of those things. And also, look, you know, look for help. It took me years to find the help that uh, and the support that Neil and I have. It just doesn't come on a handy pamphlet, unfortunately. And your GP, you know, your doctors, you would think they'd be there to help, but you know, they don't give you that support. I ended up going looking for it and it took it took took ages and there's great charities out there it depends where we all live we live in different places and there's different charities and different support but put the feelers out um you'd be surprised as befriending schemes um you know I I went to our local Richmond Carer Centre INS uh, in Twickenham a neuro support charity met other carers there if you meet other carers they will also give you information. Sometimes, oh, you can get in here, you know, carer goes free or, you know, get out and about. Don't stay stuck in those four walls behind that closed door. And, you know, I, I would say one of the big things where I went wrong, 
be honest with friends and family. You know, one of the bits that, you know, they're very good at judging and opinionating from miles away. And that was really upset me at times. You know, some friends keep, kept well away. They didn't come to see us anymore. They would ask on the grapevine how Neil was, but they wouldn't come, never saw them again. Um, that can really hurt. And that hurts a, a lot of carers. Um, but yeah, with, with friends and family, recognize who is there for you uh, and, and surround yourself with those who are loving and supportive. You do not have the energy for those who are, have their own issues and are draining when you're going through such a big, tough challenge like caring. I think you mentioned some really, really important points there. One of them is family. Now, I know that that was an issue for you, having, having other members of the family who sometimes don't understand what you're going through, don't appreciate what responsibility you're carrying on your shoulders and then become demanding themselves. I think we've all experienced this. Um, you tell us a little bit about how to deal with that from your experience. Yeah, it's a bit difficult, of course, because they're family and they're still family. So it's... Um... We won't mention names. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so some of my friends, you know, friends and family are, have been amazing. They have been, and, you know, it's quite surprising. And sometimes people you wouldn't even expect have been very loving and giving and they've come out with some great one-liners and they've been very supportive. But some, some family are, can be quite opinionated, very judgmental. Um, they have their own issues. And also, you know, when you're caring for a loved one, you're, you're waking up. I, I describe... I my life for those 13 years um, it, although the, the cancer wasn't in my head that same brain tumor affected my life every single day I woke up to brain cancer every day people don't really get that they don't understand even family don't really get it and so they're obviously getting on with work life their marital strifes or whatever it is that's going on for them so of course they're involved with that and of course we all have our own issues and things that are happening and some are they cannot see beyond their nose to see what it is that you are going through and they will just never get it some of us have great empathy for others and have listen and we have a bit more insight and understanding, but some of us just don't. And we, you know, I was expecting from certain family to be there for us more and to go, Sarah, what do you need? How can I help? But instead, they actually caused me some great upsets and really hurt me at times to a point where I sobbed on Neil. I really sobbed. I remember thinking, and this is how I had to do, and I know there'll be many carers out there who are having to go through this at the moment. I ended up emotionally letting them go. And what I mean by that is not falling out with them. I'm not keen on burning bridges and falling out with family or having a feud. I know it's difficult and sometimes you want to drop a bomb on them. I know of other carers who are going through this sort of thing. But emotionally let them go. Don't expect anything from them and then you won't be disappointed and when they do cause grief, recognize it's what's going on inside of them and just send them love. And then focus on those who are, you know, giving you energy, giving you love and picking you up. Um, surround yourself with them and focus on those people and have gratitude for having those people in your life. And that's what I ended up doing. I had to emotionally let go of and I've still done it. And, you know, I'm I'm still friends with some of that family, even after Neil has gone 
um, I'm still friends with them as such, um, but I handle with them, <laughs> handle them with kit gloves and I kind of keep at arm's length. I don't focus on them as such. And I, yeah, I, I focus on the good stuff. That's what I do. Remarkable, Sarah, really remarkable. Um, you have one of the biggest hearts I've ever come across. I just have to say that. And, um, turning all of that love out to to other carers and hoping to support them i think is a is a truly wonderful thing how do you get help you you talked about that but what sort of help um is out there so i know yeah. for example i went through a situation where i cared for my mother for for eight years I and mean, she wasn't luckily bedridden um and communicative but it was still a huge responsibility and you know, things like going on holiday became almost impossible to manage or even mm. just being away for a couple of days when somebody relies on you for, for their well-being. And um, I realized when I contra- contracted that help out to agencies and stuff, this is financially crippling. And yes. most people, even with carer's allowance, really struggle to be able to afford these enormous bills how do you have any any wise advice and tips for for how carers can really get help and support them other than relying on their own friends and family um i would say go to your local carer center on that they they usually have uh, somebody to talk about uh, the issues on financial on the financial side of things um yeah we're all different some of us have savings some less so um I was lucky Neil had a, a policy paying, thank God, because I think, you know, the, things would have changed a bit more for us. I also worked from home. I'll be honest with you, the carer's allowance is a kick in the teeth. I'm, I'm not going to deny that at all. Um, carers need more support in, you know, across the globe. I mean, I'm in the UK here, but I think caregivers in America, etc. You are at wreck and ruin in a number of ways, of, you know, um, having a loved one in a, in a wheelchair like I did with Neil it's it's expensive even when I think about um getting a, a wheelchair taxi it costs more than a regular taxi you, you're penalized in so many areas and I will say this um carers in the UK alone save the British economy 132 billion pounds a year that's about 7 million carers in the US that are kind of registered. I'm sure there may be more. In the, in the US, there's about 44 million carers and um, giving their love and support to others and, you know, it's stopping them living their lives and, be, and having their own wants and needs. Um, we do need more support. We do need more benefits, more help. I think it was 85 quid from the last time I looked at a week. I mean, what am I supposed to do with that <laughs> when I'm caring 24 seven? I mean, it, it's crackers to be honest with you. You can live on that. Um, we do need more support and help because we, we give the economy so much in what we do. Um, put the feelers out. That's, that's what I say. Um, when it comes to financial side of things, I know some carers out there will be in disarray. Um, you know, I know some lose their home. I know that. Um, I don't know any personally, but I know that it, it happens, um, which, which is a terrible thing on top of everything else. Um, but I'd say 
not just with that sort of thing. I'm thinking of another story, which is quite, quite sweet, quite lovely. A, a friend of mine, Pat, his father cared for his wife for many years after she'd had a stroke. And because he couldn't get out, uh, he was, you know, because we're behind closed doors so often, you can't really get out like and out and about as we like to. He ended up um, learning a language and becoming fluent. I think it was in Spanish, <laughs> which is just amazing. And um, he had these CDs and to keep his mind active, he, you know, and staying at home with her, he he learned a whole language. Um, and there's so much we can do, you know, when you and also, you know, being online and on the computers and connected to the web, we can learn, you know, do online courses or do something like that for ourselves, um, read up on things and teach ourselves new things. I think of a lady at INS when you're a support, she's not a carer, but she um, she's had a neuro condition for many years. She's just done a whole load of art. It's taken her into another area. Um, you know, it's a question of not what you can't do anymore. It's a case of what can you do? What, you know, what, what could I do instead? Um, what could I do with my time, with my energy in being creative? Where, you know, I don't have to go out and spend lots of money. What, what sort of things could I do um, to enjoy life? Um, and and take my set my mind off of these things um but i do um my heart does go out to to many carers out there it is expensive and and also getting paid carers in i will say a little bit uh, about um paid carers um for many years neil and you know i had care agencies in for neil um to help me because neil was hoisted you know you're supposed to uh, hoist anybody on your own I needed more help with you know moving and handling and, and dre- washing and dressing Neil and hoisting him into the wheelchair now I'm not particularly a big fan of care agencies I will say this that I feel they are run more of a business before and they don't actually care um, there may be some out there that are a little bit different but not from the about four or five that I've had to deal with and in the end um, they were a ridiculous amount of money they were emptying our bank account as we paid for the care we got um we we did get care um we got um continuing care um eventually um when neil almost had both you had to have almost both feet in the grave for them to even agree that because it's so expensive um but in the end i refused to use a care agency again i through word of mouth found um Care, paid carers through through other carers, through friends and people that I knew. And they have been amazing. Not only have they been half the price, they've been twice as good. And they are still friends to this. These, even though Neil has been gone, there are I, I'm still friends with these paid carers. And they actually, you can tell paid carers are, there are two kinds of paid carer, those who do it as a job and those who actually care. And anybody out there who, who is having paid carers in, you will know which of those they are coming into your, into your living room and into your house. You know, they're coming into your home every day. Be happy, you know, make sure you get the right caliber of care because otherwise it's another layer of stress that you're dealing with on top of, you know, paying out for this, for this care as well. It is, it is very expensive and it can be crippling. It's much more reasonable then to make sort of, uh, so what you're suggesting is is to find two or three 
or for um, carers that you sort of like privately and permanently engage yourself. So first of all, there isn't a middleman who's taking a cut. And secondly, you know, I would assume for the patient, it's also much better to have somebody there consistently um, if if you can't always be there. um, uh, That they see a familiar face is probably a really good thing, too. And also for you, because you trust somebody that you know much better um, I need uh, some of these carers. Um, I think of Janice, for example. I've known her for many years. She she'd worked for a care agency, and she and she was a paid carer. And when Neil was better and still able to speak, and she'd come in and help care for Neil and wash and dress him, she um, you know she left that care agency because she was disillusioned with them. She wouldn't work with her. And there's many many paid carers who won't work for a care agency anymore because of their behaviour and the and the way that they they work. And uh, when Neil then had his his big stroke and and came back, you know, in and he was in a hospital bed, I rang her. I said, you know, are you are you still working for yourself? And she was. And and she because she even though Neil couldn't speak, Neil knew her. She you know she was great fun and. Uh, you know, loving and giving, and and she was here caring for Neil as with a number of great carers to to the end. And even though Neil couldn't speak, she knew the man. You know, she knew exactly what he was like and how funny he was. And she'd come out with some one-liners to him, and that's invaluable. I mean, with care agencies, they will have a higher turnover of of paid carers who not happy or moving around and they're not getting paid very much um so you know having you know that consistency and and it's having a it's like having a friend come into her home um I do remember Janice saying to me one time she goes you know what I don't feel like I'm coming to work I feel like I'm just coming to help out friends which I thought was absolutely endearing that was lovely lovely absolutely lovely absolutely so when you decided, as you said, sadly, it's been three years since mm. since Neil has passed. I, I never met him, unfortunately. I, I very much wish that I had. Um, but you've you've come to that point, as I mentioned at the beginning, that you've gone from love through despair and back to love. And despair, of course, was was the last few years. And, and when you lost Neil, you come back to a place of love, not so much in terms of another relationship, but you're giving back all of that knowledge and love to carers in in what you're trying to do now um I think maybe after three years I I find it extraordinary actually that that you're already ready to take something like that on after such a momentous (laughs) chapter in your life you know um but tell me a little bit about what you hope to gain um I know the book is just one project but what, what are you aiming for what 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 really is the kind of underlying messages and things that you're trying to share to help other people through these really difficult times? Yeah, thank you, Tatiana. I, well, I've, I've written an uplifting and positive book for carers because um, and giving insight and information at a deeper level, not just on the surface as well, to safeguard yourself to to not only still remain healthy and happy, but to enjoy life again. You're not you're not just here on the planet for another. You are also here for you. And three in five of us, as I said before, will be a carer at some stage. Any of us can find ourselves in a caring role at some stage and it's how we deal with that will determine how you know keeping healthy keeping well and ensuring that we we safeguard ourselves 
Um, so we don't get pulled into absorbed by it. Uh, at present, I'm, I'm actually creating a website, um, which has, I've, I've, I've interviewed a number of carers already for podcasts. Uh, they're all very different podcasts, different, um, carers. Uh, for example, one's about called, uh, caring for an angry man because when somebody falls ill, they're not always particularly very happy, of course, and they, they always end up, um, taking it out on your nearest and dearest. It's just what we do. It's, it's human nature. Um, and, you know, there's another podcast, which is just called They Just Don't Understand. And that's, that's friends and family as well as healthcare professionals. Um, so those podcasts I, I'm working on at present. So there's going to be a whole website for that, which is called Who Cares WhoCaresForCarers.com. And it's a number four in there, Who WhoCaresForCarers.com. And... There's going to be a couple of meditations on there, which I'm going to do because I learn. I, that's one of the things I do, as you do, um, Tatiana. Um, meditation is very healing, grounding, and calming uh, for for the mind as well as the body. Um, I found that's been quite profound, actually. Um, also, I've I've already created uh, a series of videos. Uh, for carers, just short and sharp. They were for Care- National Carers Week earlier this year, uh, but I have a YouTube channel, which uh, is Sarah Chalice, uh, and you can go to that. Um, but there will be more on there, as there's a lot more that I'm going to do. Um, so in in giving my insight, and actually there was a, a great uh, bit of information a little while ago um, Actually, it was, it was about a, nearly a year ago now. There was a lady came to me and she, she was worried about her parents as a father. Had, um, it, he was, he was at wreck and ruin. He's in his mid seventies and he'd been caring for his wife for 20, over 20 years who has MS. And that's quite full on. That's, that's, and I don't, I'm not surprised he was, he was going downhill quite rapidly, but just through a, I would be honest with you, just a paragraph of information of what I gave her it has transformed their life and that really excited me because that told me that this information can really help so many others and you don't need to pack your bags and head off to Barbados to get the hell out you just tweaks in your daily life just little things can make a huge difference not only to yourself in being kinder to yourself and giving yourself love and treating yourself better but that how you're feeling will um will also um spread to to your your loved ones and the one you're caring for they will also be feeling that as well um so i know this insight and knowledge will help many others it's just getting it out there that's that's the thing and getting my book published um and and getting this this insight out there so it can you know, make stop the suffering. That's what I, I want to do. It's a wonderful thing to care for a loved one. It's um, it really is um, a beautiful thing, an amazing thing to to be there for somebody and create as much uh, the best quality of life for them as possible. But only if you are caring for yourself as well. A wonderful message. Couldn't agree with you more, Sarah. Absolutely amazing. Um, one thing that I find also super important as part of your message is that you give carers permission to not be perfect and be human beings. And I think that that's really important. I mean, there were times in my in my own experience, I remember, where 
you know, um, you'd have to cancel an appointment because a trip to the doctor suddenly presented itself that you hadn't planned for. And and it's easy to to get angry and then beat yourself up for being angry. But your one one major part of your message is is forgive yourself for being human, isn't it? Can you talk yeah. a bit about that? <laughs> well, you know, I there was a few times, and I, you know, I used to shout and scream around the house. <laughs> Poor old Neil used to have to listen to me, and a few swear words used to come out. And I think back to that, you know, that pure frustration. And I know Kara's, you know, that 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 anger it just builds in you, and you can't you can't help yourself. And I remember shouting and screaming. And I, and I want, and I'm just, I do feel a bit embarrassed in saying this, but it r- rose to a head when I had a lot to drink one evening and I picked up a glass ornament and I held it I held it a mirror seven more years of bad luck in our living room and it smashed but it just diffused and I'm glad I did it because it diffused the situation um we we just get so uh, you know we're human beings we can't you know we can't help it you know we are say flawed um but we we can't help ourselves. We we are going to have these negative emotions come up. They guide, they're actually there to guide us. Uh, I know another friend who told me, you know, she there was a carer next door, and sometimes he'd hear her hear him screaming. He'd just scream, and you do need to let it out. Um, don't suppress it. It will make you ill, like it did me. Find a way of releasing those emotions. If you need to go to the top of a hill and scream your head off, <laughs> then do it. Go and have a good scream, shout, cry, stamp around, get it out of your system um, and give yourself love. You know, um, find a way of releasing those trapped emotions um, because and one of the big things for me and a hard moment for me was I was on a silent retreat and I'd got better when this is while I was caring for Neil. I, I'd improved in a few days and I'd managed to get some sleep because I used to have a baby monitor on for Neil every night and he'd have coughing fits in the middle of the night. So it was, that was constant. But on this silent retreat and having peace, I was feeling better. And as I was sat cross-legged in this hall with about 35 others, um, I, this, these anger like rose up in me again. I thought of those who had put on me and caused me grief and upset, even though they knew I'd I was caring for a terminally ill husband. And within those moments, within that split second, I felt this pain in my chest and it went straight up, went straight up to my neck. And I felt like a vice-like grip around my neck in a split second of that one negative thought. And it was like a gasp. I went, oh my God, I have to change the way I am thinking. This, my negative thoughts will finish me off. I have to let this go. Um, and when you go through a kind of an aha moment like that, uh, you know, it changes you. you. You know, it's being aware of your negative thoughts. We all have negative thoughts. It's, it's kind of, it would, you know, it's what we'll do. But be aware of those. And, and one of the things I do, and I know of another carer who does this, I, I journal now. I don't write in my in a book every night, you know, every day. But things that come up or things that I notice when I start to become drained, the question, I, the question is, what is draining you? What are you finding is, and that's for any of us, what is draining you right now? And, but what is giving you energy? What is picking you up? There are things and people at the moment that are draining you, you know, at your energy at the moment. What are they? Notice what they are and notice what is giving you love and giving you support and giving you energy. 
sometimes just in awareness, we can start to tweak and make changes and stop. We're, we're quite good at, you know, if you're, if I've had, you know, a number of people who said lovely things to me one day, you know, and then you get one person who says some unpleasantries. We focus on the unpleasantries, right? We focus, we focus on that one thing where somebody's been critical. Right, the negativity bias, yeah. <laughs> we do. We can't help ourselves. Forget those. You know what? You're amazing. And I would say to all carers out there, you are amazing. You do an amazing job. Not everybody can care. Um, so be kind to yourself and uh, recognize that you're doing something very tough. It's the hardest thing I'll ever do is care for Neil until he died in my arms. So, so give yourself love and give yourself compassion. We're coming to the end of our time, Sarah, and I'm so grateful for these wonderful and words of wisdom, encouragement. Um, I think my, my listeners will definitely understand why you're a very, very, very special lady. Just hearing your voice and hearing that love and compassion in your voice. I'm, I'm always amazed and extraordinarily humbled by how you handle this experience and that you also have now committed your life to, to giving back to carers um, to help them. I think it's really a wonderful thing. And I appeal to everybody listening to support your cause and also to take your words very, very seriously to help themselves. And on that note, if there was, if there was one message that maybe we haven't yet covered that you could pass on one, one bit of experience or, or one bit of advice that you could pass on that could maybe really make the difference for carers out there? What would that be? I think I would say this to carers, to anybody out there. I would say enjoy life every day. Even if you're caring for somebody who is terminally ill, long-term sick in any way, find a way. You're not here to purely suffer on this planet. I I know many of us do feel that sometimes. Um, find enjoyment. What's your passion? What, what picks you up? What makes you feel good? Uh, reading a book, whatever it is, or what you focus on, what, you know, find what that is, your passion, what you enjoy and, and make the most of it and, and enjoy, even if it's for half an hour, enjoy every single day, make the most of it, you know, and there's always something worse off. You know, I, I look at Neil and how he was unable to walk, speak, you know, hardly move in a hospital bed for the last four years, you know, dreadful, dreadful, but he still had the love of a good woman. And I was, you know, hugging him, kissing him, whether he liked it or not. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, enjoy every day, find what you enjoy and, uh, and make the most of every day, live to the fullest. Don't live in fear, live in love and, and be honest with those around you. Most of us wear a mask. I do. I did as well. Be honest. You know, when you're more authentic and more open or and honest, people love you more anyway. If you just, you know, if you're people pleasing or trying to be there, you know, please everybody all of the time, you can't, you're not going to please anybody, including yourself. So be more honest with everybody be more open be more loving um and they will be as they will be just to accept whatever's going on inside of them um i love you know anita morjani came out with one just recently she said about you know we carry around all these issues like almost like a, a rucksack full of boulders on our back just just 
put the put the rucksack down <laughs> you know go and have a walk in nature um and just focus on the present moment be 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 in love and, and wonder at, at, at all the gifts we, you know we get so many gifts in life and sometimes when I've had a rough ride of a day I when I go to bed I actually think right 10 things I was grateful for today now <laughs> I do and I I think you know you can think of loads of things but it gets you on a good kind of positive wave when you're focusing on the good stuff um so that's that's one of the good things enjoy every day and I think that's a brilliant message and not just for carers but perhaps for everybody in actual fact Sarah I always ask my guests three little questions and now it's your turn so we talk a lot here on London Heal about health really being a case of mind body and spirit and I encapsulate that in the idea of health happiness and serenity so for you personally having been through what you've been through how would you define health oh man um well uh, it's a whole array of things it's not just nutrition it's not just trying not to eat chocolate <laughs> <laughs> never give that up um life's too short um it's about how you treat yourself. Uh, it is giving yourself self-love. Um, and spiritually, I, I, you know, this whole thing with, with caring for Neil has sent me on a big spiritual journey. And you and I love jo- Dr. Joe Dispenza and we do our guided meditations. And man, I, you know, I've had some profound experiences from that. And it tells me that what we see and experience in this realm is just the tip of the iceberg, which it really excites me. But, you know, it's no good me just saying that to, to folk out there. You've got to experience it for yourself. So, you know, through meditation, I know that that helps to heal. It realigns your energy centers and reinforces your magnetic field around your body. That helps to keep, give, to keep you healthy, which helps to keep me healthy and gives clarity of mind. Um, doing something that you, as I've said, enjoy every day, get out. I mean, I go running, um, you know, just going for a good walk. Not everybody can run and get out and running. Um, some kind of exercise, get your body moving, keep active. You know, I look at my mum and dad, actually, they, they're in their late sixties now. They're always going off on a bike ride. Oh, it's obviously to the pub and back. <laughs> 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 they go around like Parry Meadows and, you know, and um, Peterborough and they have a great, you know, they're, you know, they are very fit and healthy and well. And, that you know, they enjoy, you know, I'll be having a bottle of wine with them this weekend and, and laughing laughter you know we always have a banter and we have a laugh you know don't take life so seriously um you know have have fun you know find fun things to do and you know find the right caliber of folk to hang out with and um that's all part of you know keeping healthy um yeah and having fun you know we could give up drink but goddamn you know it's boring (laughs) try that try giving up sugar i can't blink and do it it's it's we can help you with that Sarah (laughs) (laughs) have a bit you know have a bit of what you fancy hate that word in moderation but um yeah you know be kind to your body be kind to your mind um do you know we we're all very different so when it comes to nutrition when it comes to what you do to keep fit you know, uh, and what, you know, what puts the smile on your face of to know, recognize what those things are and, and, and enjoy them to the fullest. 
Perfect segue. So putting a smile on your face, being happy. What do you do to be happy? What makes Sarah happy? Oh, man, I do loads of different things. You know, I took up rowing. You know, that was a challenge for me this this summer. Um, I've been rowing on the Thames in London. How amazing. And um, it's all about technique, um, but getting out on the river. And, and there was a seal. Can you believe it? In the heart of London, bobbed his head up a couple of weeks back. And I'll be honest with you. Yes, we did row to the pub. <laughs> <laughs> Is that uh, yeah the, the the common denominator there? But um, you know, doing a four skull and two skull um, rowing down at Barn Elms, and that's been awesome. And uh, in this, we've had a great summer. This uh, in, in the UK, it's been really hot, and to be down on the river rowing in in the elements, to get outside, get in nature, it, there is nothing better. I think that's. That's why I go running down the river, down at River Crane in Twickenham. Oh, it's just magic. And, you know, I always see something, which is, I might see the kingfisher or doggies having their run and their walk. They always look happy. Um, yeah, just being in nature and, and, and good friends and having a good time with them. That's, that's really, you know, we're social creatures. Having, having, hanging out with, you know, good friends and having deep conversation and having a laugh. That's what puts a huge smile on my face. <laughs> and a beautiful face it is at that. Um, <laughs> lastly, serenity. You, you just talked about meditation and yeah, we mm. both practice our, our, our own particular preferred flavor of, of meditation. Are there any other practices that you do or any other times um, other than when you sit down to meditate where you really consciously try to enter a state of serenity? I always think it's so important that we can just take moments throughout the day to just turn down the noise. What do you do to turn down the noise? about having peace you know just having a bit of peace and quiet just uh, having a break we're, we're all so very busy all of us um life is just hectic but you know when I think about living and working in London just have five minutes between things sometimes just sit down and for carers as well but sit and have five minutes of peace just have a cup of tea and just have nothing blaring or or you know listening to the radio or checking social media you know we're all very good you know many of us do that just switch off from that for a moment because then when you can gather your thoughts you can think better you can think straight I really did find I've been on a couple of silent retreats now and when you have that silence or just even for a few moments you can get better clarity and know what to do next you you know things come up so when I go running for example things come up in my mind oh I'm going to do that or I'll change that or I know I'll I'll write when I'm writing my book or that can you know things come up when you uh, give yourself space um, and peace it's you know it gives room for these these moments of clarity give yourself space um just just sitting in the garden or you know you know closing your eyes for five minutes and I tell you what else I do Tatiana haha I I listen to your podcast (laughs) (laughs) that's that's just like the best bit of advice for anybody I think the listeners will notice that there's a bit of a mutual appreciation society going on here. Um, but, uh, uh, I listen to yours, and I tell you who else. I listen to Anita Morjani. She had a huge near-death experience. Um, lives her life very differently now. I love Anita. I met her a number of years ago when she first came to London. Um, read her book. She's amazing. Great one for carers. 
Um, and also I read her chapter where she had a new, di- her, when she was out of her body, when she had end stage cancer, I read that chapter to Neil, um, and that last summer of his life, um, I wanted him to understand not to be afraid of death um, because it's only your body that dies. You don't die. I know a lot of us don't feel that, you know, that we're living in this realm. It feels a bit bizarre me saying that. Um, But I read that chapter where she felt all this unconditional love and it was fear that had made her so very ill. And I, after reading that to him, I said, did you enjoy that, Neil? You mustn't be afraid. And he put his thumb up. It's the only way he could communicate with me. And he was gone in a week. So it gave him permission. So um, Anita's podcasts are lovely. Anita Muljani, she's she's wonderful. Um, Dr. Joe, listen to you know, there's some great, great Dr. Wayne Dyer, listen to him as well. So there you go, appreciation society for all that lot. But um, <laughs> it puts you on a it puts you on a good level. On a you know, they come out with some very loving, profound, and very interesting stories and statements, which I I love. I love all that. When I go running, I sometimes listen to podcasts. Um, there's some great insight and great knowledge out there um, to listen to. Great. Well, Sarah, that just leaves me to say thank you so much. Um, you you know how, how much I honour and appreciate you and everything that you've done. Um, I hope this this podcast gives a few more people the chance to to learn to get to know you and find out what a wonderful, wonderful human being you are. And also how much knowledge, love and great, great advice and support you have to give other carers. So please support Sarah in her mission. We will put all the links on the podcast notes. Um, any big publishers out there, this is a story that has to get out and help other people. So let us know thank you sarah stay as wonderful as you are and you too, my darling thank you so thank much you. thank you for giving so much back thank you thank you i really appreciate it thank you so dear listeners i hope you appreciated that episode as much as i did i i love sarah very very deeply and i have um incredible incredible respect for somebody who can so selflessly dedicate their life to a loved one and then on top of that come back and still have even more love to give further um go over to her website check it out follow her on facebook she will inspire you and help you and if you're a carer then you'll feel like you really have a good friend Please rate, review us as always on iTunes and help messages like these get out to people who really, really need them. We need your love and support too. Like and um, notice us on our Facebook page and follow us over there. Keep in touch. And of course, sign up to LondonHeal.com if you would like to have all the links to every new episode pop into your inbox on a Friday morning and so that you don't have to listen with a pencil and paper we also provide you as a London Heal Insider exclusive access to extended podcast notes so until the next episode wishing you as always health happiness and serenity